0: Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw-Quinn. And welcome to another episode of TDPS Presents Christopher.
1: And Eric.
0: Woohoo! We got our new <laughs> opening right! We practiced that before we recorded. We actually recorded. did.
1: We had to practice that, because the last time we did it, it was sort of like, it just felt like it fell short. It did. We were so used to doing the, the dinner party show opening right. that we did it. It was like... Oh, we should have thought about this before we started recording. Oh, well, never mind. It's time to talk about it, stuff. It's
0: just way more casual. We're just going to do whatever. We're going to break shit in the middle of the podcast. A car is going to come running through the front of the office. It's really? going to be just real. Oh, I don't want to do that. I, it's been real. It's just, no, I don't want to do that.
1: I'm, I don't have to get the front office repainted again.
0: Again, (laughs) That was
1: a nightmare the last car. The last car really did in the front office. I'm telling you it was really it was a drag. I didn't yeah I'm not going down that road again.
0: Okay now I need to do all the official and retentive rules part. So today we are doing another uh, installment of True Crime TV Club Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Very exciting.
1: There are rules?
0: No I just like to remind everybody that we are going to discuss an episode of something that you can easily watch on television so if you want to stop listening and go watch it and then come back and feel like you are more included in the Uh, discussion. So,
1: spoiler alert.
0: Spoiler alert. However, I will also say, standard disclaimer, that we will do our best... Uh, to discuss it as if you have never seen it and do not need to see it. We are storytellers by profession, so we're going to try to paint the picture of everything that we're talking oh, that's about. that's why we are
1: so rich and famous.
0: Absolutely. And the episode we're going to discuss today, and we can go back to talking about, you know, just casual friend stuff, like what happened to you on the walk here, you know, that sort of real-life podcast I'm over it. stuff. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Then that we ship is sail. We should get ready. I was so looking forward to having them get to hear about your coughing fit, too, that you had on the way <clears> here. Yeah. Yeah, it was so, really
1: exciting. Like it's the the California is on fire as yeah. we are recording this. So if we stop abruptly in the middle, <laughs> it's because fire came racing down the hill. So because it wasn't a yeah, it wasn't a car in the lobby. It was uh, yeah, the fire made it over the hill and. Ran us off.
0: Yeah, no, we are. We're luckily the studio is not in any immediate threat, and if it was, we would not be here recording this goddamn podcast. We'd be nowhere near this place. We love you, but we're not that committed to you. We would just post <laughs> on social media.
1: Well, and we could probably manage to record this somewhere, you know, more fire retardant, <laughs> absolutely like our houses.
0: <laughs> anyway, so the episode for today's edition of True Tr- true, true True Crime TV Club is that going to become a tongue it's twister? A tongue
1: twister, a bit. I do the true crime. True Trime,
0: True Trime, True
1: Climb, I think is going True to be Climb, my thing. Yeah, True, True Climb. Climb TV Club.
0: It's an episode of 2020 called With Friends Like These, and you can catch it on Hulu with a membership or on
1: abc.com for free. I love the way you said that. You said it like um, your eighth grade English teacher reads rap lyrics oh. aloud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's funny you should mention that because there were a couple moments where some of the police in this episode sounded like eighth grade rap teacher. They were do- it involves young people. Not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but they discuss some young people things with exactly that tone. I think they refer to one person as being into the YouTube scene. Which he makes sound, you know, like the discotheque scene or some other thing. An older person doesn't like, quite like understand. Like YouTube
1: isn't one of the largest corporate entities <laughs> on the planet,
0: right? Exactly. <laughs> like it's a scene. It's a, it's a happening thing at the street corner. People are about the YouTube
1: scene too. In fact, if you look below our podcast on the the website on the at the Dinner Show dot com or TDPs dot TV. Um, which I think is working. We now. think. We'll see. It's, but it's an st- ongoing saga. Eventually, it gets there. There are all kinds of um, of uh, of YouTube. I've forgotten. It's so hip. I've forgotten it. It's a scene. Um, all kinds of YouTube clips of the show and different things that we've yeah. recorded and our brief. Ever so brief foray into being a YouTube channel, which we a... may return to one day. But first, we have to find somebody that we can stand to work with
0: <laughs> to do the videoing, other than our hands holding up the camera in one hand. I have
1: to say, the one where the the, the promo where the camera fell over in the middle <laughs> of the, that may be my favorite thing that we've ever filmed.
0: I don't know if that's on YouTube. I think we posted that on social media to promote the YouTube. I'll have to find that and, and bring that up again. I'm I think just, we posted it. I don't
1: know if it's on YouTube or not. But I do remember that. It was such a riot. I was it was something or maybe it was Jordan that fell over. I can't remember, but I think it's falling just as and we just cut as it starts to fall. Yeah. Oh,
0: right. That was it. It was like saved by the edits. Yeah. yeah. Totally. We have a lot of fun here at TDPS.
1: That you don't know anything about. That you don't know anything <laughs> and about. And it doesn't make any sense when we talk about it on the without showing it to you. So Christopher will post that. Well,
0: it'll make a lot more sense, too, if you haven't gone back on the TheDinnerPartyShow.com and looked at the older episodes of The Dinner Party Show, which was the podcast slash radio show, with which we started doing this, they are all available there for you to download and stream. And they're also available on Apple Podcasts and a bunch of other platforms.
1: I just as well. sometimes, there are some episodes I just have to go back and listen to sometimes. Yeah,
0: me too. Me too. I was the
1: night before Jordan. I probably yeah. listen to about every two months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's enough fun. Okay, it's time for some uh, crime. It is <laughs> time grade, for some. Eighth
1: grade English teacher has arrived. Eighth grade.
0: Eric, please take your seat. And refer to the list of characters I generated.
1: Blue Climb cleavy
0: Club. Climb <laughs> Which we're going to turn into a hashtag real fast, because uh. it'll just be letters. Yeah. T-C- Climb. T-V-C. Climb. T-C-T-V-C. Climb. T-C-T-V-C. That's less tongue twistery. I'll go with a t- No. Okay, I'm getting a look. T-C-T-V-C? So No, we'll all fuck up the letters. I like
1: True Crime TV Club.
0: True Crime TV Club. All right. The episode is with friends like these. It's an episode of 2020. I would just like to begin with some 2020 pet peeves, if you will allow me. Okay. Okay. I am a big fan of the very basic network true crime documentaries, like we're going to be talking about a lot on this show. This is a serious problem. I have a serious addiction. (laughs) I have 54 episodes of Dateline and 54 episodes of 48 Hours saved on my DVR, and yet I also have a subscription to CBS All Access, which gives me like the past four seasons of 48 Hours, but I want redundancy. And there's Hulu. Yeah, and then there's Hulu, which gives you every episode just about, not every episode, but a lot of 2020 and a bunch of other true crime specials. Mm So, all that said, there are some stylistic choices with 2020 that I find really strange. One, everything is lit like a porn film, and I don't know why. With one exception, in this
1: episode... Well, maybe this is a comment on what kind of porn film you watch.
0: <laughs> maybe I'm watching badly <laughs> lit porn films. You only need to watch porn
1: that has better lighting. You need to watch a better caliber of porn films, clearly. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. However, everybody is lit with this harsh like overhead lighting, except for... Yeah, Dan
1: Abrams just looked like he, he could, was getting look ready good. to... <laughs> <laughs> you and your little dog, too.
0: <laughs> Yeti yet had amazingly kissable lips just sort of popping out there, but glistening in the harsh overhead lighting, if you'll forgive me for beating a dead horse. But then there's a friend of the victim who we will talk about, Carly, who somehow manages to score like Errol Morris documentary lighting. Like she's in a studio somewhere. There's like natural side lighting. Oh, so it's It was really, in a writer. Yeah, absolutely. Don't light lit me like a bad porn film. Um, okay, so that's my pet peeve. The other pet peeve is their their narrative structure re- involves interviewing the host, which I, in this case was Amy Robach. So, like, Amy Robach is suddenly on camera telling you that this thing that happened is very, very interesting, which I find sort of odd and whatever. But putting all that aside, unless you have some pet peeves well, you want to share, I
1: just my overreact my overreaction. <laughs> 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 Freudian. Hashtag Freudian. Um, yeah, my overreaction. My overall reaction, and I have to say, I'm not sure if I've ever done this with 2020, watched one of their sort of true crime episodes or not, but they really need to step up their game. Yeah, that was, was my reaction because I had just rewatched watched um, a Dateline that we we're also going to be profiling on a different episode, and I the, it did not it did not fare well. Disney needs to pour some of that yeah. billions of dollars that they're spending on acquiring everything in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I think my apartment is next. is um, <laughs> no Disney uh, property. My, my, new, um, my new landlords. I, I just really felt like it was very the least, like the way the story was told, the contents of the story, just the assemblage of what they put together as the facts of the case, I thought was... Week.
0: I'm really glad you said this because I thought I was just being kind of a Dateline bitch because I am at fundamental well, level. Well, I'm not
1: saying that's not true.
0: I, it is true, and I am a total Dateline person, but there were. I was watching this thinking, there are gaps in this story about a mile wide. I don't believe they come from an absence of evidence. I believe they come from bad storytelling yeah. and not assembling the narrative. I think it can be really challenging, and Dateline is the master of this, how to create suspense by withholding something that was Probably completely clearly known to the people involved in investigating the case from the outset, but they don't reveal it until it serves the episode. You but know, not
1: bringing it up and then just never mentioning it again. I have mm-hmm. an entire list, yeah, that I made from that this particular episode of things that uh, I still want to know the answer to. There were hu- that they brought up, and they were.
0: Huge. How can I... They were huge things, and they were by themselves causes for great suspicion, but they were introduced as if they were just parts of the story, and we'll get to them. I don't want to list them in advance, but let me set the scene for okay. everybody first. So the, the basically, the opening is this. We are in Neptune City, New Jersey, which is in the middle of New Jersey. Uh, it's close to the coast, and as one commentator describes it, it has more in common with Middle America than the Jersey Shore you see on television.
1: And all of those people are from Long Island, Absolutely. so I think that's worth <laughs> noting.
0: They, right, the Jersey cast of the Jersey Shore yes. you mean yes. yes
1: the cast of Jersey Shore is actually from New Long Island
0: absolutely um, it's I guess it's late at night. I don't think it's the middle of the night. Uh, a 911 dispatcher receives a call about an abandoned car on a bridge that cras- passes over the Shark River. Because that's where I want my abandoned car to be found, above the Shark River.
1: Right? I thought of you. I was like, oh, Christopher's going to be into that.
0: <laughs> this river is very close to the ocean. You, it's a, Basically, if you're standing on it, it's a stone's throw to the coast. It
1: seemed like almost like a tidal kind yeah. of river, like the Thames or even, to some degree, the mouth of the Mississippi.
0: Exactly, and has treacherous currents as a result of that foreshadowing. Um, the 911 dispatcher receives the call that this older car is is abandoned. It is soon discovered that the car belongs to a young woman, a teenager, I believe she's 19 years old, uh, named Sarah Stern. I always want to call her Sarah Smith, but it's Sarah Stern. Uh, she has a reputation. Her mother died recently of cancer. She lives with her father, who is now obviously a widow. Uh, She has friends. She is well-liked. She is an artist. She does cute little cartoon drawings, which she often gives to people for presents. She is not somebody who appears to be involved in any kind of organized crime or or anything of that nature, we think, at the outset. Um,
1: There's nothing obviously suspicious about her or her life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead into the story. That's basically where the episode opens. There's a lot of talking about. It's an hour and a half episode, so there are moments of filler, which, as we just addressed, I wished had been spent on explaining some of the bigger pieces yeah. of evidence. Yeah, I mean, it may are, have
1: been a two-hour episode when they aired it, but by the time you get it on um, Hulu,
0: yes, absolutely, it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half once if you're watching it without commercials, right? And if you watch it on ABC.com, warning: it's free, but I think you also have to deal with commercials. Whatever. So the trail, as they're looking to establish where she was uh, before she disappeared, they pretty quickly led to um, a man who is described as being her best friend. And his clearly they've, been,
1: they've known they've lived next door to each other since they were children they've known each other since kindergarten or maybe first grade really early like they've known each other forever
0: and his name is Liam McAtasney. I had to spell that out phonetically on our show notes because it does not look yeah, like I it's, would never even sound. I'm
1: not even gonna try and pronounce it now it was like one of those names of like really wow yeah. that's a name. His best friend... Nothing against the, all the McAtasneys out there. God bless you all. But <laughs> hate, like,
0: mail, hate mail! McAtasney hate mail pouring into our
1: inboxes. But, uh, but wow, that's
0: yeah. a name. Um, his best friend, Preston, is also supposedly Sarah's best friend. Her
1: prom date.
0: Yeah. Um, which means... Get they, weren't,
1: r- they weren't dating, but they went together to the prom. Like, the three of them really kind of went to the prom. Yeah. I kind of felt like she batted for our team. I kind of felt right? like she was I'm... probably a lesbian. Like, yeah. that was sort of like, they didn't go down that road. They talked about maybe she obsessed about girls some, and there was, there was just a sense, a hint of it. They never actually said that word. They never said the L word. Yeah. You know, but there was some sense that, that was my takeaway, that she probably... Was maybe, and not really like somebody who'd been in a same sex relationship, but that that was her. Or in
0: any relationship,
1: really. But that yeah. was sort of her drift.
0: Yeah, they later describe her as having had, I think somebody who is trying to disparage her later when the case goes to trial describes her as having unhealthy obsessions with women. And saying that, you know, i will have to come over right now. I'm having a mental breakdown or I'm going to kill myself if you don't come over. She apparently said to this one girl who I, I
1: don't even know if they identify who the girl was. I can tell you. And I can tell you who said that. Yeah. Maybe that's too
0: early. Okay, sorry. How do you,
1: want to, do you want to unfold this?
0: So they um, immediately show up at Liam McAtasney's house. And this becomes, if you watch a lot
1: of these specials. Well, and I think this was part of what happened to the episode they had an enormous amount of video. Yes. All of the police were wearing uh, body cams, and then there's a huge video element to the story, and as a result, I think they kind of went light on scripting and fact-finding and the work of reporting it. Like I say, this is my only 2020 experience or the only one I can remember offhand, Um, but I really felt like the preponderance of video... um, had a negative overall impact on the show.
0: As we talk about the use of body cam videos in this particular special, yes, they use a lot of the footage, and, and I agree with you. I think that that actually had an impact on how they put the episode together, and they didn't I, explain it as, as much as they needed to. Yeah. Um, they're very good quality body cams, which caught me off guard. They're yeah. color. They seem practically high definition. Yeah, that
1: interview in front of his parents' house was as good as they could have shot themselves.
0: Right, and they're wearing it to interview him outside. They're not just wearing it for instances where they think they're going to be under fire or arresting people. And the
1: other thing that's interesting about it is because it's it's not they're not officially filming the people they're interviewing, it has a much more candid kind of quality. right. When you set up a big camera in front of somebody, it becomes a little performative mm-hmm. whereas if it's on this it's just somebody's lapel pen right there was I thought it was I thought it was an asset I just thought they didn't use it as well as they could
0: have. no, I absolutely agree and I think that um there was another thing you just reminded me of but it went out of my head I think it had something to do with well there are two instances early on where they're wearing the body cams and they show up they show up at Liam's house for the very first time because right. he was the last or one of the yeah, last people in the there. morning
1: they literally wake him up from a dead sleep now, in the middle of the night was there an
0: edit there because my initial response was you usually when you watch these datelines in these 48 hours you 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 examine how somebody is when they first get brought into the interrogation room where everybody i think knows there's a camera how guilty do they act am i reacting to the right triggers or am i harshly judging the person cuz i don't like his shirt or the way he talks that kind of thing They show up at the door of Liam's house wearing these body cams. He opens the door. Their first question to him, I think, is, when was the last time you saw Sarah? And he answers, "Uh, we had love. He immediately gives the factual answer. Let me just say this. If somebody knocked on my door at 4 in the morning and said, when was the last time you saw Eric Shaw Quinn, who you are my best friend, my first response would be, what happened? Why are you asking me this? Like, I would answer the question, but I would be like, Oh my God, cops are here asking me about the whereabouts of my best friend. No emotional reaction to him that I could see from the question, but I also thought, was there a cut that 2020 put there that maybe I was not seeing? I
1: didn't, I don't remember it that way, but maybe. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. It was, he was groggy, um, or it seemed to be, but. I think that plays into the bigger story. I think a lot of what he ultimately is is performative. Like, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of his, given the nature of the way this story plays out, I think a lot of what he was doing was scripted. Yeah. In his head, you mean? Self-scripted, he scripted. Yeah. yeah. I think he had thought it through. Right. To, I don't want to be spoilery early on into the telling of the story, but it really does, as the story unfolds, that seems to be, because he handles himself... Pretty well until that question in the interview right. room and I think, where you just go, what? Yeah.
0: And I think, and this is also important later because an aspect of his defense, or I should say an aspect of, of the defense that somebody musters on behalf of some. And I'm
1: getting ahead of myself. I don't want to spoil it. Anyway. If, if you're 19 and at four in the morning yeah. you're awakened by the police at your door, like being cooperative might actually be a choice.
0: Yeah. Because right. you
1: don't want to. Piss anybody off because sure. it could get worse fast. And I, there was that sort of sense. But down.
0: I didn't even hear the words, is she okay? come out of his mouth. You know, like, and I think sometimes that's Sometimes I think we have a TV network vision of what people should say in those instances that's not accurate. Yeah. But sometimes it's like there was a dateline recently where they told someone his ex girlfriend was dead and he said, uh, when and not how. Whereas if someone told me you were dead, I would be like, oh my God, how? You know how did he die? I would want to know. Was it a heart attack? Was he murdered? Like what is unfolding around me in this moment? Anyway, so he doesn't ask if she's okay, but he does say he can't find his cell
1: phone. That was the which was that was my that's the beginning the first thing on my list. Like they brought that up and they never accounted for it. Oh yeah. On the show, it drove me crazy. They
0: never. You're right. They They never never
1: account for it. I have a whole list and that is number one on my list of things that they brought up. He brought it up. That first thing, I lost my cell phone earlier and so I don't know if she tried to text me
0: or not. Oh my god.
1: I wish I knew. And they never ever explained what happened to his cell phone or where it was or anything else. And I just really felt like they should have at least you know, sort of mentioned it. Like they did the whole court case. Surely somebody.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing on your list. Yes. And point out the other things on your list as we get through them. So I think like, so they can't find her anywhere. They uh, Liam immediately gives them a story. It's either that night or it's either in the first interview when they go back to his house and talk to him outside of his house. He says he is just hissing poison all over her father. He's saying she has a terrible relationship with her dad, they fight all the time, and she's talking because her
1: father is in a new relationship, and they never address that either. Oh my God. I didn't even like, they mentioned it once and I missed it. So I was never cover. It never comes up again. Like uh, it doesn't seem to have been a big issue. But you could address it. Yeah. If you're going to bring it up and include it, you should address the the question in the, in the episode. Because no answer to that. They never, they, they showed that they had a good relationship, but they didn't address any of the possible pitfalls.
0: And I really thought I'm sitting there thinking, are we just supposed to believe, or does Liam just want people to believe that their relationship has gone south just because the mother died recently?
1: And they basically say that on the show, that he is really keeps drawing a line under their bad relationship to, focus the investigation in that direction. Yeah. But yeah, there's they never dealt with like if somebody had brought it up, surely the defense would also have included it and there would have to be some answer to it. So, what was the answer?
0: Well, I will say this and I know that I am contradicting some of my earlier statements about Dateline, but when I watched the Dateline uh special covering the Dirty John case after I had listened to the podcast, I was I, I'm stunned by some of the things that did not make the Dateline special clearly for time. And they didn't render the whole thing incoherent, but there were pieces of the podcast that I thought were very important, which is the role that the older sister played and kind of discovering who John was yeah, totally. and getting hip to him. They be, Because the, spoiler alert for Dirty John, if you haven't seen it, because the younger sister becomes the target of him at the end, a lot more energy is, is focused on her. So there are these decisions made for time, but they have to be made a little bit more strategically than this.
1: Although I, I will say that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about that I think 2020 needs to do to step up your yeah. game. Like, you just cut this out. Right. If you're not going to address it, cutting room floor. Like, yeah. I, I realize that, yeah, that that's not going to be the complete. But if you're telling a story, there are parts of the story that are germane and there are parts of the story that are not. It's sort of like that. Um, Mel Gibson movie, uh, Braveheart, where there's 45 minutes before you actually meet the leading character in the movie. Maybe we didn't need all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. maybe there, even though they were great scenes, yeah. really enjoyed them, but maybe not a part of this actual story yes, that well. we're telling today. And I think that's sort of the um, the 2020 mistake is these these details aren't essential, and not having them answered doesn't change my view of the case, but why bring them up if you're not going to address them?
0: But is it, it also I found it confusing because it left out what I thought were necessary explanations of motivation mm-hmm. of, of what people were trying to yeah. and that sort of goes to where the case the, ends the, up eventually. but the
1: huge one that that comes directly from this because they go next to her house mm-hmm. also in the middle of the night, they don't find her. Her dog is in a cage mm-hmm. No explanation of who put the dog in a cage. And that actually really plays out later on in the story and is not addressed at all. And there's this continuing discussion of her collecting up the important memorabilia in her life, putting it in tubs and taking it to the homes of people she trusts. That's what Liam and she are doing together that afternoon Mm -hmm. while they're together, in addition to going by the bank for no reason that they ever explain, and delivering these tubs to the neighbors for no reason that they ever explain. Like that's a lot of information that's just nope, we're just never going to explain. I'm confused. Don't they explain the
0: bank trip later or is there a bank trip with Liam that they never explain? The
1: the the bank trip he even says he was there, it was on the way and he was in the car when she went into the bank. Why did she go into the bank? There is no explanation oh, for right. why she went into the you're bank. Right. It's like, then, you know. Well,
0: okay, so what Liam wants us to believe about all of those things is that she's getting ready to run to Canada and start a new life because she could just can't stand living with her father. I'm okay, and-
1: like that's a incredible right. thing, but there is no other explanation offered other than his, and maybe that is the only explanation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we get to... They still can't find her. I think days are going by, and they bring Liam in for an interview, an official in an interview in an interrogation room at the police station. And
1: he does a great job.
0: And then...
1: And then he says...
0: He leans forward, and he says, So if, you know, she jumped off the bridge, her body's probably, like, was there any... Ch- I think he says, is there any chance her body's not way, way out there? <laughs>
1: Like, how long would it be before right. a body turned up or something? It's he's this incredibly like, technical question. Yeah.
0: hes It's like he's gesturing to how far from shore he thinks the body would be by this point. And it's like, if you're worried about your friend and asking, like, is there any chance she's
1: still alive out there? Or is she going to wash up? Or do you think we're ever going to find her? Or any other way that you ask that question. Yeah. It isn't the biggest thing, but it's just. Ah. Yes. And it was about
0: that time that Liam em what is what is it? Liam finds his way to an attorney. In fact, simultaneously to that interrogation, somebody in his family is calling him.
1: Two but, other attorneys yeah. show up. His <laughs> his uncle and his mom hire an attorney and send them to the police right. station and the interviews with Liam end. Yeah, absolutely. Which is probably if it had only happened 10 minutes earlier, it would really have helped. But, but I think didn't. they were already really suspicious of him by that point. I anyway. mean, really. But that
0: question and the tone of the question, and I think this is going to become important later because it ties into something that his mother says, which is that it's a stat, we're getting to see. Uh, his mannerisms and his behavior largely because of the body cams before this but also in this interview we're getting to see a consistent pattern to how Liam acts on camera which spoiler it's, alert is going to become important. but
1: i'll have to say it's actually pretty good yeah. he does a, he acquits himself pretty well as compared with what you usually see with people on these right um these you know the camera at the interview room or whatever they but don't.
0: That will be what damns him in my eyes in a, in just a little bit. You're right. He does very good. He, he does, does a very, very well good performance. Camera. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm trying to remember where it goes next. I feel like this is when they started to do the show started to do a deeper dive into what Sarah was really up to and what they're finding out about Sarah. And oh, by the way. In a beach house that her father owns, she found a shoebox full of. They give out the figure like piecemeal. Fifty thousand dollars. I think at some point it's a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in cash, and her aunt says, "Don't tell anybody about that money." Is this on your list? Because I don't think we ever get an explanation of why this money was in a shoebox in her house. Why her mother was saving this money? Was it her personal cash? Was she involved in some nope. sort of crime Never nope. explained. It's just a box of money that we found.
1: <laughs> it's like old money that she found at the beach old house. Old money, and she told Preston and Liam her first mistake. Her dearest friends in the world. Yeah. Hence the title of this particular piece. With, with friends, friends like, like these. these, and yeah, they immediately apparently began to scheme. Yes, against her, which is just, it, this is the part where it starts to be a more chilling tale. It starts to be chilling, and
0: I also start to sit there and think, but believe me, I'm not saying I want to I justify what these young men did or were accused of doing, uh, but there were pieces of the relationship that were missing. Like, I needed to know what was really going on with these three, that they could get to this place this quickly. Like, if you found, I'm going back to, maybe because we're ish Sane-ish, not psychopaths. I, I can say if you found a box of $100,000 in your mother's house, I wouldn't start scheming to kill you to get it. I might I might ask for a loan, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how things were are going, depending on how expensive this fucking podcast was running. No. Um, uh, you know, like, uh, but there, the quickness with which these two young men begin to start plotting against this woman to get her money, aston- I needed more And I think it
1: became clear when they brought in His roommate. Is this Preston you're talking about
0: or is this Anthony?
1: Anthony? Preston. Preston. Okay. Anthony was not his roommate.
0: Anthony was not his roommate. Okay. So, yeah,
1: I think everything, the story really took a different turn after they brought in his roommate. So in comes the roommate, Preston. And they say, we know what he did, and Preston just... Unravels.
0: Unravels. Like within minutes, Preston is taking them to show them where they strangled Sarah, where they held her, put her body temporarily in a bathroom. Liam had to go to work. They had him on a security camera going to work the evening Sarah disappeared already. So this explains where, where he'd been. was pretty savvy because yeah. they
1: came over the back fence to come back in for the body and then tossed her back over the fence with the safe that had the money in
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he says at to Preston, I need you to move her body out into the bush. It's just crazy. I don't like, know
1: why he had to move her out to the bushes, but they did.
0: Yeah. And um then, out of the blue, the cops get a call from an aspiring filmmaker named Anthony. Let me check my Anthony Curry, who's a director, I'm putting in air quotes. You know, we didn't get to we don't get to see any of his work technically. Did that happen
1: before? Preston unfold. I think that is
0: what happened before. I think we jumped ahead. Yeah, we. I think this happened before because this is what they used to get. Yeah, but it's pretty much
1: it's right in the same moment. Like yeah, they brought in this filmmaker. They they he'd met up with Liam at Thanksgiving and Liam had pitched him this movie idea. It was basically about killing your best friend for a shoebox full of money. Yeah. Shoebox full of money and throw her body off the bridge. Yeah. And it was like when he started seeing the news stories, he called the police and said. I think maybe you should hear this and there's another
0: piece after the murder Liam starts sending snapchat messages to Anthony basically saying oh yeah that thing I told you don't tell anybody about it because this thing happened and which is completely freaking this guy Anthony out who himself comes across as pretty freaky to be frank
1: so Anthony makes an arrangement to meet him like In a parking lot at a rest stop or something in his car, and he's told the police, so they set up surveillance cameras in the car
0: and a wire on Anthony, which Liam um, feels Anthony down for a wire because he knows they're going to be talking. Put it
1: on Anthony. I think it was just in the car. Oh, is that it? Didn't find anything. What a genius! No, he frisks them. I was about
0: to say, is that on your list? They never found the wire on Anthony, or never explained. No. Okay, so it's
1: in the car. And he proceeds to just tell the most terrifying story of how he murdered his best friend for basically $10,000.
0: And ba- basically the the quote that stuck with me was, well, what, are you just going to fucking yeah. sit on your ass and have a boring life?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like... Like you do. like Yeah. Like you, and then you just murder your best friend for... And he was pissed because he thought it was going to be more money, but... She'd, most of it was in a safe deposit box at the bank and there was only 10000 in the safe that they stole from her house.
0: And here's the point that I was referencing earlier. Because we have seen how uh, Liam has behaved on camera now several times thanks to those body cams, we can see that there's... No um, discernible difference in his mannerisms, behavior, and tone when he is giving this confession in the car than when he's talking to the police and when he's out in front of his mother's it's house. It's
1: very performative.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's all performative, but it's all consistent. And so later, his mother will try to say, oh, he was just putting on an act. He was trying to impress Anthony. He was a showboat. He was auditioning, which is like, that's not—if somebody asks you to audition by confessing to a murder of your best friend, don't, don't go in to that car, In a car, and a drive—
1: Late at night. Yeah, in a parking lot later. Late at night, yeah, and the mom, bless her heart, you always think oh, your kid is innocent. But, ble- oh, but, but, yeah, so how does she explain the fact that he had a safe with the money in it that he'd buried in Sandy Hook? Which Absolutely, was an interesting crossover
0: and had the, had the key to the safe on his key ring. And this right. is where Preston, the roommate, comes in because they get this videotape confession, they go to Preston, and what did the cops say? Well, we've never seen somebody confess that fast. fast, like yeah, he just never.
1: immediately began leading them to all of the points in the,
0: yeah. And it's does another body cam sequence takes the tour shows where the body was all this sort of stuff. So anyway, shows them where the where safe
1: is. They find the money. They open the safe. They find the key on Liam's to the safe on Liam's uh, car keys. Like it's just really like there is very little evidence to the contrary that yeah. it was somebody besides. Liam or that it was that she did it herself. But they didn't account for any of the weird evidence about her. So why was she taking those tubs of her valuable stuff to other people? Why did she go to the bank?
0: Which gets weirder because the focus of the trial and I think the prosecutors do a good job of proving it is that her relationship with her father was not that bad. They were not constantly fighting. She didn't have a clear motivation just to run away from town and run away to Canada. I don't know why running away to Canada for people in New Jersey seemed like a big deal. It's like three hours away from them. It's like going to Mexico. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's another country and whatever. Um, But the trial, the focus of the trial, they put the father, um, uh, Michael Stern, on the stand, and he's reading text messages that he exchanged with Sarah right before her disappearance that there, he was on vacation in Florida, sending her pictures from Disney World. He's then put through what I think is a very subtle indignity. As a grieving father, he has to describe to the court the pleasant emoji that his daughter sent to him and so he has to literally sit there saying she said that's a great picture dad smiley face emoji palm tree star thing you know which is like in a different context would probably be funny but it was just sort of wrenching to the watch. other
1: thing that happened was I think in the courtroom was the first time he actually saw the video where Liam describes in detail stuffing a shirt down her throat yeah. strangling her peeing herself her throwing up Another thing they didn't account for was the lack of physical evidence at the scene. Well, and that is what the defense and, says later. There's no the peer throw that up. And the the yeah. dog just lay there and watched. Yeah. He didn't defend her at all. And then, so why was it then in a cage? Like, I just thought that was an odd d- other detail. To that
0: remember. is an odd other detail. And it's like, I think the mother's defense was, my son Liam is a showboat and tries to impress people. And I think that could be a possible explanation for embellishing the story. Like, she didn't fight very hard and she died quickly and the dog didn't. You know... But that's never offered up by the show. You know? He actually says it
1: took a really long time. I know, but that I thought it was. I thought I was just going to choke her out and be done. He said it took nearly half an hour to kill her.
0: But that's I'm a big tough guy, and I was able to kill her, even though it took a half hour. Like he could be lying about the duration and not be lying about the hideous. murder. It was hideous. It was absolutely hideous, and the chilling. mother drove me insane because for one. I've seen a lot of dumb defenses offered up on these specials. That was one of the dumbest I've ever seen. The lawyer was also kind of an idiot. The lawyer was terrible. The lawyer was terrible.
1: But what are you going to say? Neither of them have anything to say. It is almost indefensible. And they literally have a 20-minute video of him describing in excruciating detail how he killed the girl. And then a preponderance of physical evidence around him. The money and the safe and all of the other things that that were, plus witnesses seeing them on the bridge together. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That was something, right. And there was, a, there was an eyewitness who came forward who said he saw her walking after the time she supposedly disappeared, and his story fell apart right after he testified. They
1: completely Couldn't, didn't address it. Yeah, it they could, absolutely didn't address it. They just presented it, and then that was the end of it. It never came up. That's what I mean about stepping up the game. Like, yeah. it was a good story. I thought it was an interesting murder trial mm-hmm. and whatever, and... God, he was chilling and the, and the amazing amount of video evidence, not just the body cam, but then to bring in this filmmaker who actually filmed the confession, um, you know, like undercover of darkness and surreptitiously yeah. and all that. But, um, but they really did not sew up the details and allowed details to be included in the story that they were not prepared to address. And I just feel like don't include them.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good. If you can't play it out, don't include yeah, it. And it's if you not don't think, law. if you don't think, if you're going to show the verdict and a, and you're going to show the preponderance of evidence that led to the verdict, you know, I think that, and you're going to interview the defense and give them a chance to actually be on camera. I think you are servicing, not fair and balanced. That term has been ruined for all of us. But but some sense of of fairness <laughs> and and both sides and point yeah. counterpoint. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think this was really, and I just, I hate that they interview the host. I just think that's so annoying. I don't want to be told what's exciting. I want you to sort of show me the story. I guess. I
1: just felt like they didn't have anything to go in there, you know? Mm -hmm. It was a way of moving it forward um, without having to go out and film anybody. It's, again, it's about stepping up the game. They needed more substance from what was going on, that you need to go find somebody who's going to be interesting, who can include this information for you. But you don't just say it yourself. Keith Morrison does all of those voiceover narrations, yeah. which are not that far from what she was doing. mm mm-hmm. But it, it, they have come up with a more sort of polished way of including them. They tell the
0: story that they want to tell. Yeah, that's what Dateline does. Is and it's they not use a court that, of law. No, so it's you're not. not
1: required for it to be all fair and balanced and all of that. These these shows will
0: often spend years researching these cases. I think this case, the trial was was maybe this year, but the um, the murder was several years ago. So they'll get in there and they'll start having their producers on the case. From the start. And so yeah, they're she, building up a... She
1: revealed the verdict like from an email she got kind of on the show. It was very... I had the sense that it was very... Did you think very, that was real? I th- had the sense that it was very current.
0: Okay. But did you think that moment was real? I thought it was probably staged. They were interviewing Amy back the host, and she's like, oh, we're just getting this breaking news now. The verdict is Liam McAtasney is guilty of murder. And
1: I yeah. didn't think that it was necessarily like spontaneous, but I think that what it spoke to was how recently he had been sentenced. Right. That they hadn't had the time for that part of the they were that close to it being I don't know. I could look it up, maybe well not.
0: you know the thing that and I think this goes to the whole conversation about the holes in the way twenty twenty presented it. And I think the way you you focus on a point of view or the story that you want to tell as you look at the motives that make the most sense, and the motives that make the most sense are usually driven by self-interest. And I, it was an interesting reaction that I had, and I wondered if you had it too, because it was, as a writer, our challenge most of the times, particularly in writing murder mysteries and stories about suspense, is we, ne- we, we often know where what we want to happen, but we have to motivate our characters to where they can get there. Like, sometimes we'll come up with an action sequence or a spectacular event right. or a big emotional event, and I never... It's always a gamble of whether or not the motives you come up to. If you come up with the event first, the motives have to work. You have to retrofit them to work. And they don't always (laughs) match up. But when you're watching uh, true crime and, and documentaries like this, That are sort of asking you to debate in your head as you're going along whether someone's guilty or not. You need to have a very coherent sense of what somebody's self-interest motives are. The money motive in this case was really clear. There were other people's motives that, for for me, were all over the place. What was Preston's motive to help? Necessarily how much money was he going to get out of it? what was
1: going on with with her?
0: Yeah. What was Liam's motivation for saying these things to this guy, Anthony? I mean, I'm sitting there because I'm so in the habit of seeing gay people erased from stories like this. I'm like, was he hot for Anthony? Anthony? Was he trying to get in his pants? I mean, there was no relationship with Sarah, I, really, so maybe he was getting But it too. was
1: his girlfriend, Maggie, who Sarah was obsessed with, so I felt like Liam wasn't... When I saw that picture of Liam and Preston yes. together, I thought, and then they were living together, I thought that maybe there was something going on between them, but as it progressed, it it became clear that they had, you know, girlfriends and stuff. And so that didn't seem to be an aspect of the story. And I
0: don't want to be one of those people that says girls and boys can't be friends. But I no. think it's her absence of interest in boys that, you know. It's,
1: it's her absence from this story. They really did not explain her. Right. Like, what was going on with those tubs? That's a really weird thing to do. It's a r- really weird thing to do. To begin gathering up stuff of your putting it in plastic tubs and taking them to friends' houses and going, could I leave this here? And it's
0: almost as weird as finding a shoebox full of really old bills that amount to almost $100,000 in your your family's old beach house and your aunt saying, don't tell anyone about that money. Not like you should put the money here. There, we should have a family there meeting. There are some
1: weird yeah. aspects to, to Sarah's story that they really, really did not address in this. And I think that's what creates this sort of incomplete picture.
0: Right. I, I absolutely agree with you. It was an incomplete picture. It's sort of interesting. As a writer, it can be interesting to watch an incomplete picture because we instinctively fill in the gaps with our Well, heads, eventually you, you know? do.
1: And that's what they never did. They brought up all of these weird questions that were like, that is really odd. Why is she doing that? Maybe she did run away to Canada. Maybe she was planning to run away. Maybe she did kill herself. And then they, like, when she went to the bank, the money that he stole was already in her house. Mm -hmm. So... She didn't need to go to the bank to get more money out of her safe deposit box. So why did she go to the bank? Right. And What did she get out of her safe deposit box while she was while she was there? It was really they were just odd things that she did. And I'm not saying leave them out. But if you bring them up, it's like that rule. If you it, in, if you're writing a story and one character shows up with a gun, there has to be. The gun has there has to be a reason Uh, for the the gun. gun, You have to use the gun,
0: right? If you introduce the gun in Act One, you have to fire in Act Three. I think it was checkoffs or whatever. Like you have
1: to, you can't just. Well, you can. You can just leave it out, but then it becomes Joycean, where it's just sort of random stream of consciousness written in Esperanto, and who knows what it's about. But I'm not watching 2020's (laughs) murder mystery. I just
0: I feel like we just came up with a Saturday Night Live skit, James Joyce's (laughs) true crime documentary (laughs) series. I think that could be great. I. Think it's just the total non was there a crime or is this a violin? Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. a
1: great story, but I was not as taken with their telling of
0: it. No, I, I wasn't either. And it was one of those stories where I wish there was a 10-part podcast for me to listen to. There are for some of these. Some of these dateline episodes have their own podcasts that spin out. Sometimes not done by Dateline. Yeah. But because like I did want to know more. I wanted yeah. to know a lot more. I want to know where that fucking money came from. And I would because that the nearest connection I can make is that you find this money. With it comes information about your family that you really don't like. It leads to a temporary dust-up with your father that Liam then uses you know, to his own advantage. Maybe. but And that's why you're giving the tubs away, and maybe you really are going to go to Canada. It was
1: just crazy. It was yeah. just a very incomplete story.
0: And also, to my knowledge, I should maybe research this, they never found her body. Sarah's body is still not been I found. don't think
1: that, that yeah. would, yeah. I think they would have said that.
0: You take a look at the Shark River, and it's not hard to see why. It's it's those currents sort of racing towards yeah, the ocean. Yeah, no, it's I like, can't
1: imagine that it would still have been around. Like if, if she went over that bridge. Yeah. But the way that that Preston kid described it, it was interesting. A metallic, a hard metallic bang. He said God. when they threw her off the side, like, what did she even hit? Like, oh, very weird. God, really, really chilling. You, yeah, sociopaths. Yeah, absolutely. In that story, yeah. that was the that I think was the real. Um, the sizzle of yeah. this particular one and then the filmmaker being included with that little totally with that little film. Okay.
0: okay, so because so apparently we have not had our fill with of friends like these. Evil that was with friends like these an episode of 2020.
1: 2020 available on Hulu and I don't know probably abc.com and God only knows where else but Absolutely. it's out there babe. If you haven't seen it.
0: And on our next episode, if you want to do your homework and go watch now, we are going to be discussing a special two hour episode of Dateline called The Thing About um, Pam.
1: You're going to, you yeah. should watch wow. this. Wow.
0: It is available on demand or on NBC.com. And maybe they play, they are like whole channels that are devoted to Dateline. So you might be able to find it somewhere on your TV lineup. I don't know. But. Yeah, you should
1: find it. Uh-huh. It is worth finding it. That's it's, all I'm going to say you know, now. There'll yeah. be more next time. But yeah, yeah, that one's this is worth watching.
0: Yeah. The thing about Pam. Now, there is a thing about Pam podcast. I don't think either one of us have listened to it. I and we're not going to be talking. We're going to be talking about the Dateline special. But, you know, if our conversation goes the way this one went, we'll maybe go to the podcast maybe for more so. information. Anyway, so all of the standard, not disclaimers, but in, in requests, incitements, uh, if you are liking the podcast, please subscribe. If we are not on a podcast platform that is your platform of choice, let us know on our Facebook page. The Dinner Party Show's Facebook page is where we communicate with everybody about the show. We might have a presence on another social media platform, but Facebook is where we talk back to you and where we would like you to talk to us. Please give us a five hundred thousand star rating on iTunes and a very loving review because it will do great things for the podcast. And in let general. us know
1: if you have thoughts and questions about the specific episodes or the. You yeah. Know, if you want to talk to us about, um, well, probably not Pam because we're going to record it right after this. But. <laughs> You know, like, let us know if we have some lead time. We'll try and address your um, your particular interests and um, questions when we're recording the show.
0: Absolutely, we may do little special episodes, like Q and A episodes, so we can that catch up with fun. everybody. Because, yes, as you just revealed to our audience, we do record these episodes in advance, and sometimes there's a lot, as there is always in the entertainment industry, a lag time. Yeah, we're between figuring production it out as we go along. So maybe we'll
1: start telling you a couple of weeks early, so yeah. that you have time to. Get in some questions before we...
0: But not this time. (laughs) Not this time. So once again, the next episode or the next installment of True Crime TV Club, Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club, will be a Dateline two-hour episode.
1: Except no substitutes.
0: Absolutely. A Dateline two-hour episode, The Thing About Pam. All right. Well, Eric Shaw Quinn, as I used to say to you on the dinner party show unbidden and not to your amusement oh, no. any final thoughts
1: <laughs> I, and i hated it just as much then as i do today i know it's so uh, hard for you to talk as you're yeah, so, really, retiring. I'm so shy and retiring but it's like i i then feel like under the gun to come up with something to tie it all together the moral of the story well, is well i will tell you i love the true crime um phenomenon in our culture because I'm a murder mystery writer and lover anyway and it is very inspirational it's a lot of great material I sort of frankenbite it together mm-hmm. as I'm yeah. going along I save them and find them in the paper and and yeah. whatever and um you know I hope other people are enjoying it as well and if you haven't watched this is my final thought if you haven't watched the thing about Pam you really should. You should That's re- why Christopher watched. It's why we're doing a show about.
0: Eric it Eric said he he watched it and said we got to do this one. We really got to do this one because I'm a I'm a bigger date. I'm fallen behind on Dateline because I have to write books and listen to Eric on the phone and stuff.
1: And that takes a it takes
0: time. up a lot of time. But this is a remarkable yeah. Dateline.
1: It's, this is yeah, remarkable. it's it's
0: it's exceptional. All right, well until our next episode, I'm to Christopher Rice and I'm Eric Shaw. And Quinn. you have been listening to TDBS presents Christopher and Eric. Thanks.